0: Hello, welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education podcast. My name is Mark Taylor. I'm the vice chair of NAEP. As we come to the end of the academic year, of course, testing and SATs is a really sort of hot topic. So what better thing to do than to chat to more than a school who, of course, are fundamentally just trying to change these sort of high stakes, high pressure assessment system in primary schools and make good mental health the basis for good learning. I'm chatting to Alison Ali and she's going to talk us sort of through her professional background and how she's been at the centre of really getting this message out for more than a score and what's been going on and how you can get involved to make as much of a difference as you can to give the sort of child focused child first idea of education, which of course NAEP is so in favour of. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Alison Ali talking about more than a score. Hi, Alison, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. We're going to do this as a, as a joint project with the National Association for Primary Education as well as Education on Fire. Um, NAEP obviously is something I'm heavily involved in as being vice chair and they're also a sponsor of Education on Fire so I think it sort of sits really nicely with this sort of um, real focus of, of primary schools in, in this particular topic so yeah thanks so much for being here.
1: Pleasure, thanks for inviting
0: me. Let's talk about how you got involved in more than a school, first of all, and then we can kind of gear that towards exactly what the campaign's doing and where the the journey's got to so far.
1: So um, I first got involved in education campaigning when I set up a voluntary campaign group of parents called Save Our Schools. That was in 2017. Uh, although it was the what my 6 7 year old daughters were being taught in primary with a view to the standardized tests they had to take that was my um you know that is what spurred me to do something um i was appalled by particularly what was happening to their use of english and how how uh, stilted it all was because they were having to think about fronted adverbials and phonics uh, rather than just enjoying reading stories and, and writing creatively. Um, and I was really disturbed by it, being a, a, you know, a writer and journalist by craft myself. So I had a meeting with the head teacher at my school. Um, I took my daughters out on a one-day strike run by Let Kids Be Kids, spoke to media and decided that we too could set up a parents' um, pressure group. The head teacher then said to me that actually, what every head teacher in the country was most was at the top of their list of priorities was was funding, which was in dire straits, having been cut ever since two thousand and ten. Um, you know, to the tune of billions, buildings falling down, TAs being laid off. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a disaster zone, as as it is still today, in fact. But uh, we'll come on to that, I'm sure. So we went in campaigning heavily on funding, and we got to speak, we got to address every single head teacher in Brighton, secondary and primary, um, all of whom agreed to display massive four metre long banners outside their schools, save our schools banners saying this school has lost, you know, £168,000 per term. That equates to £500 per child. You know, that is what is missing from their education. And it was so uh, well received and got so much publicity that we were contacted by groups in Southampton, in Hackney, in London, in Bolton, in Sheffield. Birmingham became a massive uh, Save Our Schools campaign area, the West Midlands, the East Midlands. And um, before we knew it, we were a national campaign and I was speaking on similar platforms to uh, all the uh, General Secretaries of the Education Unions. I got to know the NEHT leadership very well, Um, the same with the NEU, and I was then approached uh, in a professional capacity by the NEU to run the More Than a School campaign, which is what I've been doing since 2018.
0: So that really sort of gives a real clear understanding in terms of, of your work and your insights so like i like say of meeting all those different people and all that understanding of of how it affects children directly within a school from a, a sort of a cut standpoint and, and a lack of funding standpoint and and I think having relationships with all those sort of partners, it really gives you a, a good sort of footing then to be able to sort of like I say go into the next campaign with more than a score.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the people that we got very close to was a guy called Jules White who ran the worthless campaign. And the worthless campaign together with Save Our Schools and other parent campaigns and the joint action of the unions did end up with uh, us winning 7.1 billion in funding when Boris Johnson came into power. Uh, So that was a major campaign win, actually. And that then allowed us to really focus on more than a score and primary assessment.
0: So let's jump into more than a score. I mean, Mm. the they've been around for a little while now it's certainly obviously something I'm aware of through NAEP where did it sort of start and and what's its real focus and and sort of where are they on that journey in terms of, of making the difference that we're sort of after
1: yeah, so it started. I mean, essentially, the National Education Union is unique, really, in that it not only campaigns for pay and work conditions and funding for schools, but it's also full of educationalists who are absolutely passionate about education. And they saw, you know, all the concerning signs of what the statutory assessment, the current statutory assessment regime, uh, entails, which is that immense amounts of pressure are put on schools to deliver certain sets of results in standardised testing, whether that's baseline, phonics, times tables tests, key stage 1 sats or or, or the biggie that everybody knows about, key stage 2 sats, uh, taken in year 6 by 10 and 11 year olds. Um, And that this had become a a really dreadful situation, as the Times Education Commission put it, of uh, the tail wagging. Assessment has become the tail that wags the dog and is slowly uh, wrapping its leash around its neck and throttling it. And what you get is, you know, year sixes where poor 10 and 11-year-olds, rather than being uh, encouraged in their love of learning, just get given test paper after test paper after test paper, some of them from September onwards, some of them start in year five. Um, all they do is sit there practicing how to pass SATs tests. That is not an education. And, uh, you know, the NEU membership quite rightly feel very strongly that that is not an education and want the system changed. So what you have is this immense pressure brought to bear on head teachers at primary. They then put that pressure onto their staff and the staff ultimately have no choice but to put, place that burden on the shoulders of our ten and eleven year olds. Because at the end of the day, if they don't get the results necessary, the school gets an Ofsted inspection called. Uh, the the head teacher can lose their jobs. You know, one one head teacher of a small rural school in Suffolk said to me, "I can tell you the three pupils in my year six on whom it depends whether I will get an Ofsted in, inspection triggered or not." It depends on what those three kids get in there that's how random and unfair and punitive the current system is
0: and so in terms of the campaign itself apart from sort of getting that publicity and and sort of galvanizing that sort of kind of support which i think everyone in education is is fully behind yeah how is it going to change how How is it going to make a difference? And is there anything that we can do sort of through more than a school that can sort of add to that fire, really?
1: Yeah, well, we have um, a couple of major calls to action, uh, one of which is write to your MP and the other of which is to uh, sign up to the campaign and share the campaign. So we've got 65,000 active members. Uh, be they parents, teachers, head teachers, academics, you know educational experts, um, and we work closely as i 've said with all the teaching unions Bar Nasuit, and essentially, we have been lobbying very hard in Parliament we, we We set up a series of speedy briefings we called them where we would literally give MPs a brain dump of hard, factual information. What is Key Stage 2 SATS? What does it entail? It entails X amount of papers lasting X amount of minutes taken during a full week under GCSE style exam conditions uh, in in, uh, in May every year. Um, you know, and and just giving all the facts. And then we we are a very, very evidence-based campaign. So we do tons of research. And I can talk you through some of the research in a minute because it's very, very indicative of where the profession, where parents and where head teachers stand on all of this. And basically the DfE and the government are outliers uh, imposing a system that is unwanted by everybody. And that needs to be communicated really clearly. No one likes the system. Um the DfE is just wedded to it as if it's sacrosanct data, whereas in fact, it's very, very flawed and faulty data, because as I've already said, some schools will have their kids practicing how to pass SATs tests from year five onwards. Uh, more enlightened schools will just, you know, come the Easter holidays, say, right, well, we've got these SATs tests coming up. Uh, we'll give you a few practice dummy runs when when you're back for a week and then we'll get straight into it and uh, but you know those are those are those are our supporters and and that they you know that is not a model that's adopted throughout most of the country throughout most of the country. We see narrowing of the curriculum, teaching to the test, love of learning stifled, and most importantly, we must not forget that you know forty one percent of children in July 2022 were told they just failed their SATs. So their final, final word, if you like, their whole primary school is reduced to, you have failed at your English and math SATs, off you go to secondary school. What an awful way to start, to, to go through a major transition and start your secondary education you know, and you just inevitably find that those children are just turned off learning. They don't believe they can do it. They've had their self-confidence knocked out of them. So we, we, we're we looking to have a system that celebrates what our children can do, not label some failures for what they can't do across a very narrow range. Um, and so we have been, as I say, giving these speedy briefings, whether it's on SATs, baseline, phonics, times tables, check, Um, We've got very, very quick, rapid briefings in which we can communicate the the factual information about what each test involves and what it is and how it's used. We can give reams of research that we've done over the last four years. As I've said, I'll come on to that in a minute. Um, We then have a little campaign film which sort of brings the whole topic to life, told through the uh, mouths of, of the children taking the tests. And then we have a sort of summary of our key arguments of why we want the system changed. So, you know, we've given that to Bridget Phillipson, the Shadow Secretary of State for Education. We've talked to Stephen Morgan a lot. We talked to Robin Walker, the head of the uh, Education Select Committee. We work closely with Flick Drummond, who wrote an interesting paper on uh, on assessment. Uh, a few years ago, and we we built a very good working relationship with her. The same with Emma Hardy, Mike Watson in the in the Lords, and uh, Natalie Bennett, and a whole host of Lords we work closely with. So we are getting our message out there, and we're very very pleased to see in Kia Starmer's announcement yesterday that they're really grasping uh, grasping the cow by the horns here, and and are acknowledging that the curriculum is outmoded. That the way that schools and pupils are assessed is outmoded. That none of this supports broad learning and, and acquiring skills that will our kids need in the challenging future we all face. Uh, that you know, basically, um, you know, being stuffed full of a few facts on history, geography, being able to do quadrilateral equations, and being able to spot a fronted adverbial at ten paces is not the skills that our kids need as they face life in the 21st century and that's just a fact which is acknowledged by the cbi by all employers by higher education places you know
0: and do you think it's going to take literally will take a change of government for there to be any kind of move in that
1: 100 percent, because we have an absolute ideologue in charge of education in the form of nick gibb um he's been there for the best part of thirteen years, and he has a very, very narrow definition of what uh, what what high standard of education is defined by, and that is tantamount to every kid passing their Sats with flying colours. It's just not a realistic proposition, given that you know two thirds of kids don't have photographic memories and don't have the ability to just sit there under pressure and perform.
0: And what do you think the alternative might be (laughs) i mean in in sort of early days in terms of of what some of the campaigns will be as we're heading towards the the general election but do you think there's a a credible change should it just be there should be nothing at all what do you think that future might look like
1: well we we do have a super briefing called alter the alternative and that was produced through many years of, uh, of, of really in-depth research uh, by colleagues in Beera. Um, Harvey Goldstein, who sadly passed away, but his colleague, Gemma Moss, uh, is an absolute brain box on this. And I highly recommend that you call her onto one of your podcasts in the future. Uh, she's done really, really interesting research, both on the impacts of COVID and poverty, on education, but also on what a what a plausible alternative and a well-researched, well-thought-out alternative would look like. And what they recommend is national sampling. 20% of pupils do these tests as a national sample. There is absolutely zero preparation for them. Children receive a broad, rich, enchanting education all the way through primary school, and 20% of them, over the course of two or three days, in May of year six, take a few tests, no pressure. Um, as I say, it's a sample. So it's not it's not penalising or, or singling out individual schools. There can also then be a national bank of test materials that schools can use at whatever point they deem fit for pupils. It can you know, I mean, I've got twin daughters, one of them has permanently been eight or nine months ahead of the other in terms of all sorts of skills. That doesn't mean that the other one is any less capable. Uh, it just means that she develops at a, at a different rate. So, you know, the, the idea of a national bank of, of tests whereby teachers can monitor progress of their pupils is that you give it to the pupil at the appropriate time. And for 10 of them, it could be in autumn. And for 20 of them, it could be the following summer. They might need six months longer to embed certain practices, you know, which is fine. There would be um, really rich data gathered through surveys of parents, pupils and teachers. And those results will be collated and used alongside school. Each school would have its own school improvement plan, which they all have anyway, but it would be a really important document and that would be what Ofsted would be, or a revised version of Ofsted, a new school inspection system potentially, would be looking at. And it would be looking at that with a view to identifying which schools need more support, mainly financial support, Because a lot of these schools, for example, have had to let go of all their TAs. That massively affects a class. You know, if you've got two or three kids who really do need that one-on-one and they're not getting it, they're going to disrupt proceedings for everybody else.
0: And what do you think the um the perception is, therefore, so in terms of a broad curriculum? Because I guess if we're starting from the point of not having to just test within the sort of the confines of the Sats and how that's organised now, so many of those skills of of actually having a broader curriculum and having a different way of learning, the thought of it could be slightly difficult for many schools, in as much as a lot of the staff have only known that from themselves as pupils, having then gone into the profession. So, um, how how do you sort of? from your conversation sort of think that it would be that we can sort of go back to that kind of more sort of broader sense of what primary education can be
1: well i think teachers would embrace it wholeheartedly i think head teachers would embrace it wholeheartedly i think it's what they naturally feel they're there to do and they get stimied by the uh, by the system you know Good schools and good learning exists in spite of the current system, not because of it and not supported by it. And, and, you know, I think that's that's the experience of most teachers. That's why we have more teachers leaving in the first three years after they've passed their training than ever before, because it's just so demotivating to work in such an over-tested, over-regulated, over-data gathering uh over paperwork comes above your actual pupil teaching in the classrooms you know and i mean i i I, there is growing concern throughout every sector of the school population uh around primary assessment uh in terms of well-being Um, the percentage of year six children who we directly spoke to who were worried about sitting SATs in 2018, it was 44%. In 2022, it was 60%. In that same YouGov research we ran in 2022 with, with over 1,500 children in year six, one in 10 said they weren't sleeping because of SATs. 96% 96% of heads in a YouGov uh, piece we did in 2019 say SATs have a negative impact on well-being. Uh, percentage of parents who agree in 2020, 44% of parents said SATs had a negative effect on well-being. In 2022, that was 95%. You know, these are huge figures. 95% of parents done through YouGov. It's not done through, you know, some special campaign where you're only talking to the people who agree with you as uh, the times education committee you know and it published its report in 2022 overwhelmingly parents prioritize well-being over academic attainment we know that's true well-being should be at the heart of education and it really does feel to me as if labor have listened to all of this and i think our campaign has had a massive impact on their thinking
0: i was just going to say Having t- spoke sort of across sort of the the, p- the political spectrum, and and like I said, you ha- you've been able to have these conversations. What's the what's the feedback been like? So, like I say, you you, you can you think Labour have been listening, and and, and they're going to be able to support in in a much better way. What's the feedback? from the current government in terms of of what you hear is it sort of is it all see is it nodding heads followed by we're ignoring it is it we know best um how does that come across because i know certainly from my experience the number of amazing people i know who've been able to supposedly provide and support the government in the past with information which has then just been ignored um, (laughs) and then gone in a slightly in a tangent anyway so i'm curious as to what that sort of your experience is with that
1: Exactly the same. So um, we know how flawed SATs are. We know they lead to narrowing of the curriculum, extreme pressure on schools and on pupils, uh, killing off love of learning and instilling a sense of failure in, as I say, last year, 41% of our, of our children who are just about to start their secondary schools. Um, that's a disaster. By anybody's book, so they don't look at that and think the system is wrong. They look at that and think, right, we're doing it wrong. Schools are doing it wrong. Our our ambition, our levelling up ambition, is that ninety percent of pupils will pass their SATs maths and English by the year twenty thirty. So that means even more narrowing of the curriculum, even more rows of kids just sitting, practising test papers for years on end, even more killing off love of learning, even more sense of failure instilled in those who don't make. And the um, Education FFT Data Lab said only 1% of schools reached that 90% benchmark in 2022. 1%. So these people are not in reality. They do not live in reality. They have no clue about the lived experience of what this system is doing is like for, for teachers, head teachers, or pupils, or parents indeed. Um, they're blind to it. And, you know, Nick Gibb has been known to just accuse teachers of just being lazy. The reason the system doesn't work is because teachers are being lazy. So it's nothing to do with the fact that half the kids going to school haven't had enough to eat that morning. You know, the government is not behind the give kids free school meals every day. That should, that should just be a given. Every child needs a, a tummy with food in it to be able to learn. It's, it's, it's so basic. It's amazing we even have to say it. No, they won't do that. What do they do? They just cleave to an absolutely rotten, broken system and say we're just going to do more of the same and turbocharge it. That's effectively the government's position. So it's it, it's with some relief that I read Keir Starmer's, heard Keir Starmer's speech yesterday, and felt well, it sounds as if some of what we're saying is landing somewhere.
0: And I guess it does feel like so many people have been sort of banging their heads against a brick wall for such a long time, and I guess one of the key things about where we are here, so we're recording in, in July 2023, is that there may well be a different government in a year's time and, yeah. and therefore we can feel that, you know, that there is some, like you say, some movement, some positivity, some change, um, a, a return to some of the, you know, fantastic ideas like Sure Start, which was obviously implemented in, in the 90s. And, 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 and then you kind of feel like even if we're fixing a system which is broken, at least we're in that process rather than, like you say, just banging our head against a brick wall and, and doing more and more of the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and watching a government, you know, turbocharging an utterly broken, discredited system uh, in in terms of accountability, because obviously all of this is not meant to be a measure of whether a pupil has passed or failed. Even though forty one percent get packed off to secondary school having been literally told they've failed, uh, it's there for accountability. But what do head teachers say about that in in our in, in NAHT research national educate you know the national association of head teachers research in 2022 of 2000 plus school leaders only 8% only 8% agreed that sats results provide meaningful data about their schools performance 8% 92% of heads disagree they think sats is flawed they don't think it provides valuable information about school performance Uh, In terms of parents, are SATs a fair and useful way to measure schools? In 2020, 16% of parents thought it it was a fair and useful way. In 2022, 6% of parents. So 94% of parents do not think SATs are a fair and useful way to measure schools. When when parents are choosing schools, this is something we get endlessly told by the DFE. Oh, but parents really value the information. They need that information Mm -hmm. to know whether they're sending their child to a good school. SATs come eighth in a list of 10 factors that parents use to choose a school. League tables, which are wholly devised on the basis of what schools score in their SATs, come tenth. They're at the bottom. 85% of parents don't use SATs to choose a school. And then when you're looking at curriculum and pupil engagement, in 2020, are SATs a good way to measure children's progress and achievements at school? 71% of parents do not believe that SATs measure how well their children are doing. By 2022, 83% say SATs don't measure what their children can do. 95% of heads think too much time is spent preparing for SATs. And only 10% of heads agree that 2022 SATs data was a reliable indicator of children's attainment or progress. So it fails on every, every single question you ask, every single way you look at this ridiculous system. It fails on every count, whether you're talking to head teachers, teachers or parents. Now, who do you trust in terms of giving accurate information about what is happening in our education system? Do you, do you trust a bunch of sort of self-appointed experts in the DfE who have no clue what it's really like on the ground or do you trust the people who are actually in the schools the heads the teachers and the pupils I know who I trust
0: and I think one of the the biggest um, um, important factors like you say is that research because I think Anecdotally, as parents, as people that have worked in schools, you know all of this has been the case for many, many years. And I think, like you say, being able to have that conversation based on, I think, as supported them with this is the reality. Like you say, these are the numbers. These are what all of those sort of stakeholders um, are, are saying, and being able to pull all that together, like say, with that sort of national voice, um, it does feel like you know, like we said before we're head, We're heading in the right direction for that and we can make change and that actually things will change from that point of view and i also love the fact like you say there's there's an idea of maybe what that might look like too rather than just we need to get rid of this having that other plan is important isn't it yeah absolutely so for people who want to get involved above and beyond exactly um just sort of understanding like you say all of those things what's the best thing for them to do in terms of where can they go where can they sign up what can they say who um you mentioned writing to your mp how does that all that work to kind of keep that pressure going
1: fine so for the first the very first thing to do is go to more than a and click on join our campaign you let us know whether you're a teacher, a head teacher, or a parent. We have we have information sort of um, you know n- differentiated for the three groups because they all have a slightly different perspective, all, although they all come to the same conclusions over what is going wrong and what needs to happen. Um, and then look out for our emails. Look out for our social media posts. Uh, we've got we've got um, SATs results day coming up. Next Tuesday, uh, we've got a film currently out at the moment, which is letting all Year Six children know that they are so much more than a SAT score, and that it doesn't simply does not matter to their future life what they get in SATs. In fact, of course, we know that um, some secondary schools will put kids into sets based on their SATs results, which is a terrible practice, and um, which leads to, for example, uh, a boy who we had standing up in Parliament talking last summer. Uh, It took him four years of heavy lifting and heavy duty showing what he could do in maths to be moved from a low set up into a high set. And he's now going on to do sort of, you know, triple maths A level or whatever it is, some high, high grade A level. So, you know, it, it, it needs to be seen for what it is, which is massively flawed data. And uh, we do have right to our Your MP campaigns. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Mark, we're talking about primary assessment. We're talking about something that, even though it impacts every child every day and every teacher every day, is is quite a niche topic. It's not like talking about school funding or, oh, the ceiling's falling in, or we haven't got any new textbooks for the last 20 years. You know, it's less visible than that, But but even so it's all pervading. But it's not something that we'd ever get, you know, hundreds of thousands of letters to MPs about. But we've, we've had MPs contacting us and asking to be briefed because they've received four or five letters. So every single write to your MP initiative that you undertake can make a difference. It can make a difference between an MP bothering to get in touch with us and finding out about the campaign or knowing nothing about us. So it is always worth it. And it literally takes one minute the the the, re- the pre-written, you're 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 at liberty to edit them in whatever way you like and personalize them. But essentially, the hard work has been done for you, and you literally just sort of put in your postcode and 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 sign it at the end of the day. So very easy actions to take. Um, in terms of our social media activity, we're expecting the current film we've got out to get millions of views because it's such a positive life-affirming message for six year, for year sixers to be told that it simply does not matter whether they did well or badly in their SATs they are so much more than a SATs score.
0: yeah and I, and I think I think that's obviously incredibly important because they their experience of their year six is probably depending on the school very much that's what it's all been about and so like I say that message is important and I think that's where parents and like I say people can get involved in terms of of sending those letters to MPs because you'll know if you're involved in any shape or form what that actual effect is on the child from a well-being point of view you know whether it's just a small amount of anxiety like I say to the percentage of people not being able to sleep and, and all of that, if you want that to change and you want it to be different, then like I say, everything's there for you to to make that difference and, and to get involved in each way. So, uh, well, Alison, well, first of all, thanks so much for sharing all that information and also for the great work that you're doing. Like I said, it's something which I know NAPE has been so heavily involved in and supportive of over the years and, and yeah, continue the great work. And I'm glad we were able to spend this, spread this message and, and get some more people involved.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark.